Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Howdy. This is an extended version of Audacious. Y'all enjoy it now, you hear? got a heart of stone I'm not your soul salvation cause I can't even save my own I just want to hold you and taste your tender lips I am just your lover with the fear of loneliness so tell me I'm your From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and that is the title track of the debut solo album, Tell Me I'm Your Angel, by Jada Starr. Maybe you recognize her. She was recently featured as Jane on the show Claim to Fame. That's an ABC reality series with 12 contestants, all related to really famous people like the sister of Simone Biles, the grandson of Chuck Norris, the niece of Tom Hanks, they're all put into a big house together, and they have to guess who everybody is related to while keeping their own famous relative a secret. But eventually, Jada Starr's secret was out. Yeah. You're right. Oh, that's so Dolly Parton. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Today, Jada talks about growing up in the bright light of a cultural icon. Now, I want to set this up with a little snippet from before the interview got officially started. A few things before we jump in. First of all, we're going to record more than we're going to use, so you'll be edited down. If you feel compelled to use profanity, and I don't know if you will, but if it comes out, I just want you to know that that's okay, that I'll just bleep you on public radio, which some people really love. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. I'm going to try really hard now. I, I, I try my best to behave. I'm always worried that she's going to get me. If I, if I embarrass myself. See, the funny thing is, like, my first thought is, she's probably not going to listen to this show, but then it's Dolly Parton. Like, you can't count her out on anything. That's the best thing you could possibly say that's true, because she has surprised the crap out of me and other people on so many occasions, like so many occasions, where you think she wasn't paying attention, and then it's like, oh, crap, she saw the whole thing. Not surprised for a second. Um, any questions for me before we jump in? No, you just have like my dream job, like like an NPR show. Like that's the coolest thing on earth. And when I was in high school, like NPR was my life. I just really liked hearing people talk and tell stories. And so it was just the best. And then when I looked you up, because of course I do that, like with stuff and it's kinetic, I just, I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> That's so amazing. So yes, you're doing like something I would love to do as well. Well, I feel like there's a connection clearly happening here. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we, <laughs> we were on a panel together at some public radio conference, like five I, years from now. And I we talk that. about this moment, which we have recorded. Oh, it's <laughs> going to be great. So I don't see why not. I don't see why this is not in your future too. Okay, so um, there's a lot of ways into this, and I apologize ahead of time for asking you maybe a few questions that you've been asked 10,000 freaking times. I'm hopefully going to ask you a few you haven't gotten yet, but I think the best way in is to ask you about your earliest memory of realizing that your Aunt Dolly Parton was Dolly Parton. I have a good one. <laughs> I think I have a good one. Um, I was little. So I was born in 1979. So I was born right around the time <clears throat> that she was just starting to get into movies and stuff and become this like, you know, the 80s starlet kind of thing that she was that I look up to more than, oh my God. So I was little. And so she was still able to go to our houses and go visit everybody like all the time. And we all lived in Nashville. So that's, we always had family stuff. And 
So it didn't really stick with me yet that she was special. And also everyone in my family are performers, pretty much. My mother is a performer and a singer-songwriter. All my aunts, they're all like stunning, gorgeous people. And I was just surrounded by them always. <clears throat> but I'd say I was maybe four or five. And I even remember, it's one of those like core memories moments. But I was watching Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I had a little travel television that I would carry into all my rooms with me. A little black and white with the antenna. like, And I was the sh with that TV, right? So <laughs> I was watching Alvin and the Chipmunks in black and white on this TV. And she was on it. Like she was a voice. She was herself on Alvin and the Chipmunks. Simon, Theodore. And you must be Alvin. Well, I uh, guess we better get to our hotel. Nice meeting you, Freddie. Miss Parton. Oh, call me Dolly. We're just country folks around here, Dave. That's when it went, wait a minute. She's like on the thing I love. And then it never stopped happening. Like up in, I am 44 years old. And like, I still, I remember a few years ago, she did the Colbert Report. And I was like, you sound Steve Colbert. Cause I was like, loving, you know, I love the Colbert Report. And, um, I got to talk to her that week, actually. And I was like, I fangirled out. Everything I fall in love with, you end up being on, like, somehow or another. <laughs> and it's lovely. And I said, what did you think? Was he great? And she goes, oh, he smelled really good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and she said he was really, really sweet. But I just, it, it's just moments like that where it's like, holy cow. And now my teenager is experiencing it. And it's really funny. Because like they're, you know, they'll be watching some YouTube person that they like, like, and someone will reference like Jolene and they'll run into my room and be like, it happened again. And I'm like, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. Not as long as they live. It won't stop. That's my right. kid calls it a jump scare. They're like, it's a dolly jump scare. Like all of a sudden she's just, like, you're getting into like the thing you like. And she's like, hey, how's it going? Hi, everywhere. <laughs> Which makes everybody happy which is why she's everywhere um, what do you remember about what she was like when you were a child and and I feel like I know the answer yeah. she's exactly who she always is yep. was and will be is that right yep absolutely right um she gets to even still now like she if there's a child in the room no other human exists other than that child if it's a baby if it's like she just has always loved kids so much. And I think it's because she's like my grandmother, mama, her mom, that had all the kids. And then she also raised everyone else's kids. And there were other, you know, it. she just loved taking care of people. Like, and she just loved being a mama. And I think that Dolly has that thing in her too. And she still gets down and plays with any kid she sees, loves our kids. We grew up playing with her. She would play Barbies and let us play in her um, closet and try on all her wigs and her stuff. It's just, it's really nice memories. Like she's just, she's the best. And she named you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She did. <laughs> Tell me about it. How'd she pick your name? Where'd that come from? So um, she told me and my mom that she had seen um, an actress, like a little girl with that name on some type of soap opera or something. That's the only thing I could ever get from either of them, you know, 30 years later or whatever. And so I started doing my Google research and I can't remember her last name off the top of my head right now, but I did find this woman who was a soap opera actress as a young girl into her teens and then went on to be a voice actor for like Sesame Street and stuff. So I sent her a message and I was like, this is weird and off the cuff, and please don't think I'm a weirdo, but I just thought you might want to know that my aunt, I'm pretty sure, named me after you. And this is in my aunt's dolly, and I just wanted you to know, I think I get to carry your name around. And she, I didn't think she would ever respond because she was lived in New York City and had this real busy life and stuff. And then like six months later, she messaged me and said, I never checked my Facebook, but this was such a delight. Um, and I'll have to look it up and send it to you what her name is. But that name stuck in my aunt's head back in like late 70s. So when my mom had me, she was able to call her sisters and everyone lived in the same area at the time and everyone rushes to the hospital, which it's also very cute if you look at my baby sign-in book because Dolly had been doing a show and things and 
came in with just a entourage of like drag queens and actual clown. Like, I don't know what was happening, but I have these names and it's like the mistress. And I'm like, I love this more than I can tell anyone. But she showed up and my mom was the first sister to have a girl, which to the sisters was like, oh, we finally, you know, it was very cute. And um, that was me. And so Dolly said, I want to name her and I want to name her Jada. And my mom was, you know, on those good 70s drugs and was like, that's great. And Dolly went, let's name her 70s, uh, let's name her Jada Starlene. And my mom was like, that's great in the hospital, you know, <laughs> Lord Ether, who knows, whatever it was. Back then. <laughs> but then my dad, thank all of the universe. Um, my dad, who's from up north in Massachusetts, was like, that is great. Can we remove the lean part? You seem awfully fond of that lately. <laughs> so, they all agreed to name me Jada Star Anderson. And I used to hate it as a kid because it felt I would have kids make fun of me and be like, oh, Jada Star, that's not a real name. And it made me feel kind of bad, like I was trying to be something. And I was, I was like, I'm not trying to be anything. I just just my name. Um, my aunt and my mom were both really sweet about being like, it's your name you don't have to worry that you have to act a certain way. And if somebody doesn't like it too bad, I could never find pencils with my name on it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, you know. <laughs> to this day, when I go like uh, on a vacation and I go to the souvenir shop, I don't see Kion in any of the little keychains or license plates or trinkets, nothing. It's the coolest name though. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. And I usually in high school, I started just telling people, I'd say my name's Jada Starr. And they'd be like, is that really your name? And I'd go, my parents were hippies. And so <laughs> it just kind of fixed it. Like anyone has a evolving relationship with an older family member that they look up to. Of course, your relationship with Dolly over the years has changed and evolved and grown. How would you say it's most different now at 44 years old? than it was maybe when you were like maybe 11 or 12 in the, or in that super formative uh, era? It's changed in great ways. It's gotten a lot more um, depth and complexity to it, again, in a good way. Because as a teenager, a young person, I had a lot of things I wanted to do. I have, you may have been the same kind of kid. I was like, I want to be a veterinarian and a journalist and a, I want to be Dana Scully. And I want to be like, I just want to be all these things. And I always wrote poems, but I never shared those with anyone. And it wasn't till I got much older. I've always called myself a very late bloomer to the party. I'm always late to the party. But then I started writing songs and then that's where our relationship started to change on this other level when she was like, oh, you want to do the thing that I love doing. Let me talk to you about it. And that was really special to me and scary and really, really scary. But like, what was scary about it? Because, because I always say that when I sing something, I wrote myself to somebody because I don't have the internal heart of a performer like she does. I feel like I'm just standing there in my underwear, literally, just like braless panties, like guitar. <laughs> just that. She helped me with that a lot, though. She was kind of like, I get it. She said, why do you think I do all this? <laughs> Gestures to face and body. Yeah, yeah. she's like, all this stuff. Um, but she was somebody that was like, I like the stories you tell and you should keep doing that. And because I felt like I had her behind me, I get emotional because I felt like I had her behind me. I was like, okay. Cause like, I never just from old childhood stuff and whatever, I just never wanted to draw attention to myself, you know? And so being a performer and a singer songwriter, especially in this family was kind of like, oh, that might be something that I'm not interested in. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredibly vulnerable to do something like that right. in so many ways. And you've got this. Absolutely. This woman who is everything. everything. And I went this. to school to be a um, counselor and then just life. And I, I finished um, college, just got my associates in psychology. And I was like, cool. And then I got pregnant and I was like, going to have a baby, going to do mom stuff, go back to school. And then it was when I was going to go back to school that Dolly said, there's a show at Dollywood I'd like to see if you want to be part of. 
I had a struggle deciding between college and that, but I needed to take care of my family at the moment. That was a better opportunity. So after the first um, week of it, after the very first show, people would come up and talk to us after every show. And these strangers are telling you really personal things about themselves, pain, um, ways that she has helped them, ways that hearing about my family, like my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and stuff like has helped them. I realized that I think the universe kind of stuck me there for that reason. And I was like, oh my gosh, I still get to do the thing I wanted to do, but maybe I'm not supposed to be isolated while I do it. Cause I wanted to be in a little bubble and like, you know, <laughs> be like, no one look at me. Um, but hearing other people's stories also encourages me to write other stuff. And it just, you find out, and Dolly taught me this, that you don't write for yourself ever. Like you're kind of plucking stuff out of the air that people need to hear. Even if it's something that you don't like when you write it. But it might be right for somebody else. And so, I don't know. That's all the stuff that she means to me. I ramble a lot when I talk about her because it's so crazy. So it sounds almost like the combination of her love, your both genetic, but also spiritual connection with each other. And also the way that she puts it, the way she just put it about like, you write for other people, you serve them, are all also sort of antidotes to the possible self-doubt you may fear because you'll never and no one will ever be her. Yeah, absolutely. And that was my fear too of like, why would I even pursue that kind of career because of who she is? Because I was scared of people going, well, who do you think you are? I don't think I'm her. We're all playing different sports. It's okay. Like we can all, <laughs> we don't have to compete like this. And she's proud of any of us that want to do that stuff. And she is right behind us. And she's always encouraging of it. She doesn't have any of that. I'm the queen and nobody, you know, like, cause she doesn't see things that way. She sees all of us. And I think this comes all the way back to my grandmother. We are all, servants, whether or not you're religious, I'm not terribly religious, but I still get the idea of helping your fellow man. And like, that's what Dolly does, I think. And she takes it so to heart. It's like, she's like, it's like a nun or a monk. I know this sounds very silly, but it's a person that's like, okay, I'm married to this forever. And she's like, I'm married to creating love and peace and joy as long as I'm breathing. And I don't know what seed got into her head when, but it's just always there. It is every time I see her now and she's nearly 80, it is never dimmed in her. She's always doing something and encouraging you and saying, what are you doing? You can't sit with her without her going, what are you doing? She wants to know that you're, doing stuff. You got to do stuff. See, I feel like there's a lot of people on the planet who inhabit that sort of presence Mm -hmm. and they demonstrate their values. They don't just talk, they demonstrate it. But your aunt Dolly has reached a level that is beyond compare. She is one of the few things that everyone can agree on and maybe there's a few people that are from other planets who <laughs> I would like to interview if they're from other planets. Right, please. A great episode of Audacious. But what do you think, how do you think, what do you make of it? What do you make of her? So how, how could, how, in a world where everybody disagrees about everything, mm-hmm. everybody agrees about her. Mm-hmm. And... I just like, I don't even know how to touch the question of how, why, (laughs) how, what do you think? What do you think? I think, and she'll tell people too, it was a matter of this cosmic moment, this time in our culture, the time of when it was that she was first heard and first made her step out. It was absolutely perfect for what she had to say. On top of it though, every intention of hers has always been pure. And her intention has always been, do you wanna hear the song I wrote? 
That's it. Not, do you want to give me music, money for the song I wrote? Or look at me, I'm singing the song so good. No, it's her going, do you want to hear this story? I want to tell you a story. And that's all it is. But she was so intelligent that she looked at the people around her and she knew how to massage these different situations to get just far enough in, to get just enough people to hear her that she's going to live forever. Even if it was, okay, all right, these these dumb men want to talk down to me. I'll make my blonde hair bigger and I'll push these puppies up to my chin and we'll see because at the end of the day, I'm still me. All I have to do is get heard. She's a great example of someone who understands how to balance the ego properly, right? Like she's not, I need all these accolades. I need all these things. She's truly humble. She believes in herself. She knows that she's been meant for this. So she's not going to say, oh, I'm a terrible writer. Like she knows she's a good writer, but it's because she says, I have these stories to tell. And for whatever reason, I know how to interpret them for people in a way that they like. It's hard to explain. I always joke. I say she's from, she's like a eldritch being, like she's from another planet. I don't know what happened. She just, (laughs) and she's like that in our family too. Like she's, we all know that she's different and special. We, I'll speak for myself. I don't ever want to disappoint her. I don't ever want to do any damage through my dumb actions on the amazing work she did, which a little peon like me never could. She's everything. But like, it's because we love her so much and we've seen all the work she's put into it. But she doesn't sleep. Like all she thinks about is writing stories and telling stories and talking to people and telling more stories. (laughs) Like she worries us sick now. She just like never stops. It's also amazing to me that even people who've never heard any of her songs or maybe only just a few still have that sort of feeling that I'm touching on, like getting emotional, even just trying to ask, how did she get to be this way? Where did she come from? What did she do? How does one do this? Because it truly is beyond even her storytelling. It's her, I mean, I, I don't know, fill in that blank. It's her. It was a perfect combo of nature and nurture on the type of person she was born as that she was given such a beautiful um, mind to imagine things on top of, and to see beauty and to turn it into so much more in her head, right? But to also be given a mother and family members around her and a father and uncles and aunts that saw that in her and didn't put her out to go work in the barn. They didn't say, there's no time for that. They cherished it in her at a time when a lot of children weren't heard, her family listened to her. And our family, we have the family business. We all work here in the studio. We help each other. We don't want to take anything from anyone else that's working hard. We'll we'll do it ourselves. You know, here, that that's something she's put in us. And it's how our family has been as far back as we can go. We've always had writers and singers and storytellers and traveling. I don't know. We were traveling minstrels. I have no idea why. She grew up on those stories too. Like she is just the perfect outlet for all these things that she heard as a kid. She was encouraged to tell them as a kid. And I still think that's unheard of for that time period. But in my family too, like, It wasn't your typical, even the gender roles weren't the same. Like women in my family preached, right? Like that wasn't common. Um, Things like that. And I think that's another reason why she was able to. And it shows you, it also makes me emotional because I'm like, look what just some encouragement can do for a kid. Just a little bit, even out of nowhere. Yeah. With no electricity, no nothing they still found a way to like make it. It sounds like such silly cheesiness when you tell the story of when she got the kids entertained and they washed out in the river and they did though. (laughs) She wanted to keep her kids entertained and her mom learned how to keep her entertained and that her mom taught her that they taught Dolly that. And she was ready to share those stories with everybody and everyone needs a family. That's another reason. Dolly says, I am your aunt. I'm your mom. I'm your sister. I'm your best friend. I will never let you down. You can tell me anything. And 
my grandmother was that person. Like, I really think I see a lot of my grandmother in her now. My grandmother helped raise me is why I talk about her all the time. I have a mom who I love very much, but my grandmother took care of me. And so I was very fortunate to see the person that raised Dolly and hear those stories directly from her and see her pride in all of her kids, you know, and to sit as a little kid and be like, I know I'm getting to hear the story from the person that told it to aunt granny. We call her aunt granny. And then she goes and tell these stories. I still can't believe people know who my family is and these stories still get to go around. And my grandmother is still getting to take care of other people's kids, even when we're all grown up. And I'm especially upset with how things are in the the past couple of years um, for all my LGBTQI friends and um, people in my life and my family that I love so much. And that means a lot to me too, that she's a home for everybody. And she just wants everyone to, it, it doesn't matter if, okay, well, I read the Bible and it says this, who cares? This, your neighbor's gay, who cares? You guys can still be friends. That's what she wants people to do. And I don't know that anyone else can navigate that situation quite the, the same way that she does. the song My Friend by our guest Jada Starr. Back to our conversation. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. As Dolly Parton's niece, I can imagine that there's some degree of kind of wanting to protect her. <laughs> I'd like to hear about that dynamic in you. She is very much a mother figure to me, but not just to me, like to most of my cousins. So because she gives so much of herself, because we see her when she is tired, we are all protective of her for that. There's a big thing in our family where we're like, hey, everyone, we teach each other to kind of conserve our energy that we put out, right? Like if you, if you're a healer, you have to save a little bit for yourself or you'll kind of empty yourself out emotionally. I think that's the thing all of us want to protect her from the most, but I think she's got it handled. She's, <laughs> but um, you do want to protect her and, and you don't want to do things that might disappoint her. I want to live my life and be a person that she would be proud to have as her niece that tries to put forth all the stuff she's worked so hard, 60 years she's worked so hard on to put that out into the world. I think that we're all kind of not in a bad way, burdened with keeping it up as much as we can. One thing that um, people who are related to famous people experience is also the sense that you are sharing this family member with us, which I think is a, a little bit of a strange way to put it because in order to share something, it's like you have to possess it and you do not possess her. But there is, I'd like to hear your thoughts about that, that feeling of <laughs> maybe getting less of her because other people get her attention. When I was really little, I was walking in the backyard with my grandmother and I said, Mama, um, 
you had so many kids and you had so many of us, nieces and nephews, there's like 15 of us. And uh, I said, so how do you, you love some more than the others, obviously. I was five. I was like very precocious. As I was like, well, obviously this is not how. And my grandmother said, I already had the room. I already had the room. I just, in her words, she was like, God just unlocked that door for that new person. And so I think that's how we all were raised. And so it doesn't feel like we want to be selfish with her. We know that we're supposed to share her with everyone, but we also know that there's enough of her that like, she knows that there's enough of her. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, her family, her blood family is, you're so sweet. I want to give you the biggest hug right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just feeling emotional. It makes total sense. But um, she's made it very clear to all of us that this is who she is and what she's wanted since she could talk. She told her mother and father that's what she wanted. And so they supported her and her family supported her emotionally. And at the same time, she is so good still at reaching out and making sure everyone still feels like special with her. She'll go to East Tennessee and have like a special be like, I just want to see everybody in East Tennessee. Please come. Let's have dinner and stuff. And she'll do that. The ones of us that live in Nashville, we might get to see her a little more, but she does little special things for us too. Cause we, some of us, we've got teenagers still. And she's like, take the kids bowling, like that kind of stuff. It's the best. So like, she still tries, even though she's everywhere. I, I wish I could explain it. Anyone would feel like an underachiever, like to be around her. <laughs> but then she's so awesome that she would uplift you and make you feel like you were 100% of who you were ever meant to be anyway. Absolutely right. She, when I first started working at Dollywood in the family show, I was a nervous, I have general anxiety disorder. Like I just, I do. And so I take Lexapro for it. And so I really have worked hard in therapy to stop beating myself up for everything. I'm not perfect at, of course. And this one day I just had a hard rehearsal and this eight, nine years ago, and I ran downstairs to the dressing room at lunchtime and I hid in a closet in the dressing room, like an adult, like a reasonable person. I hid in the closet. I'm crying. I'm in the ladies dressing room. I think no one's going to see me. I hear my aunt because she was at rehearsal and Judy Ogle, her best friend, walk in. And she's with Judy, no one's in here. Let's have lunch. And I'm in the closet and I think, here we go. So it's a movie now. I'm Jennifer Aniston. I'm in a sleep. It's like weird. Judy, I hear Dolly go, Judy, can you go to that closet and see if there's any napkins in there? I'm not kidding you. Judy comes to the door. <laughs> she opens the door. I'm holding paper towels. I have tears pouring down my face. I'm holding paper towels. Judy looks at me and she goes, grabs paper towels shuts the door. <laughs> Doesn't say a word. Judy is thinking, okay, this is a situation. So Judy goes over and I hear her whisper, Jada's in the closet. <laughs> and my aunt goes, what? And she goes, Jada's in the closet. And Dolly went, Jada, get out of that damn closet. And so, <laughs> so I come out of the closet, I'm sobbing. She goes, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I just felt really clumsy at rehearsal. It's stupid. And I hate it. And I, like just crazy and she goes oh my lord and she looks at me and she looks over at judy who's been her best friend for her whole life right like just soulmate and she looks at judy and she goes judy look at her she cries and hides like i do and i was like what do you mean you cry and she goes honey i cry three or four times a day she goes but then you suck it up and you clean yourself up and you go right back out there. And she said, I love you. And she hugged me. And I was like, and in that moment too, I thought, okay, she is a real person. She has the same moments. She's just really good at keeping it off to the side. She knows her little safe zone. She keeps them. But having that compassion from this person that's like, practically a deity in a lot of ways where you're like, I'm your niece. And I still feel nervous standing around you sometimes. Um, it felt so sweet for her to be like, I get you. And I felt like she got me. Like, that's such a long, silly story. But just for someone to know, even that silly, dumb situation, like 
that compassion from her. And also her being, this is also part of her, her being like, okay, all right, you cried. All right, now come on. Like, and not in a mean way, not in a Gina Davis long kiss goodnight way, but in a, okay, all right. Big deep breath, let's go. And that I think is the key to her is that doesn't matter, you keep going. I did a thing and everybody didn't like it. Okay, well, I'll do something else now. You can't just stop. You don't fail until you quit. Sometimes I think about how people who make us feel seen, people who make us feel better than we see ourselves are often received that way because the person reflecting that back to us inhabits it. Yeah. So it's like she must see her greatness because of the way we feel great in her presence. There's only one way and that's it, right? Yeah. She doesn't want you to feel bad. She wants you to feel your feelings. She had to feel her feelings. She had to go through so much to get to where she is. And that's the other thing that as being a relative of a celebrity. And when I was on Claim to Fame, I found that almost everyone else on the show was raised the same way. No one was ever given anything for nothing. Their celebrity wanted everyone to know how to get there too, how, what they had to do to get there. Here's this hard work we have to do. Dolly is the most amazing relative on earth and she will always have your back, but you can't just sit there and do nothing. You have to show that you're trying to do something. You know, she's never going to tell you what to do or who to be, But pick something. What is it? What does she say? Pick something and do it on purpose. Just do it, whatever it is. And so um, that's a big deal, too. I thought that was really nice about the cast on Claim to Fame because I was like, wow, like almost all of you are that same way. Your celebrities like Chris's, Donny Osmond, all of them, Nick can't like they all grew up with those kind of families. And I thought that was so cool. And that's why I think all of us got along so well, because I was like, oh, this is like a common thread in. I think most celebrity families, especially ones where it wasn't like, it's not old money. You know what I mean? Like it's something, I, I compare Dolly to the Osmond a lot because of similar time frame of like, they didn't start out wealthy. Dolly didn't start out as Dolly. It just kind of happened. And so people make a lot of assumptions about some of us without realizing that, no, we're still like a family. We still have family dynamics. We still have things we do for each other and with each other and get mad at each other and everything else. But we're not like super Nepo baby monsters. (laughs) No, and I think that is is against what a lot of people presume about anyone related to anybody famous, especially rich and famous. And yeah, yeah, I I agree that, and that's that's exciting to sort of blow that up and say, no, we could do better than that, you know, and we do do better than that. Yeah, and I also, and I'm not trying to pretend I don't have privilege either and be like, it's just not, it's so hard to be like a child. Yeah, I I know that I'm not trying to be ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But you don't get to choose the family you're born into. And how they work, you know? And so I am really happy that I got born into this one and that my family is, we are tight. Like I work with cousins and stuff every single day, making stuff, creating things, writing songs, making albums together, just encouraging each other. And it's so nice. Like it makes me feel really happy. And that's something that makes her happy. So that's another reason we love doing it. When you are at a party or meet new friends and they don't yet know that you're Dolly Parton's niece, how often do you bring it up? How often do you hope someone else brings it up? (laughs) You're shaking your head no. And when it does come up, what have been some of the ranges of reactions that you've experienced? I do love it. I love hearing people's stories of how much they love her. I will never get sick of that. Ever since I was little, it makes me feel good. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, because that's my aunt and I love her. I don't ever want anyone to treat me differently because of that. And I don't want, there's a certain type of person that will find out and will immediately go into like, what can I get from you mode? There's not as many of those as you'd think. There's some, but not as many. And But a lot of times it's just total innocent, like 
They just are delighted and think it's cool. I've never gone around telling people. I was also given my dad's last name. So I have cousins that their dads are partons. And so it was harder for them in our hometown. And I felt bad for them for that. And it's kind of a confusing feeling too, because you're proud of her. It's not that at all. It's just, you don't want people to make a bunch of assumptions about you before they get to know you. Are you ever put into a weird position where people ask to meet her? Yes. All the time. What do you do when that all happens? the time, all the time? Um, I always tell people she's incredibly busy and really hard to get a hold of. But I'm sure if she met you, she would love you. Like I try to be as gentle and kind as I can. And still, though, like whenever I worked at Dollywood, um, little kids would bring me pictures they'd drawn for her and stuff. And I would take pictures of them and send them to her secretary. And I'd be like, I know this is crazy, but like, if you get a chance, will you? So, and she looks at stuff like that whenever she is handed it and stuff. So it's not, she doesn't mind talking to people and signing things and stuff. Um, I'm just very careful about what I show to her because I know there's so much that comes in. And if she could, she would spend all her time signing and meeting and and stuff, but she can't. (laughs) Of course, we had to get help from our favorite East Tennessean, Heather Ream. Uh, She is an author. She was on our show twice. She's a super smeller. We had her on our our show about, about that. And also we did a show about smells that remind you of your childhood. And she uh, will link to her most beautiful reflections about that. I mean, ask a super smeller what their nostalgic smells are. Absolutely amazing. Really? We're big fans of Heather Ream. And Heather is also, I want to say Heather is one of the biggest Dolly Parton fans out there, but she has so much competition. I don't know if that's true. Who knows? Has she been Um, to Dollywood? Did she know I was Oh, yeah. We may have met each other. Oh, yeah. So... Heather is a huge fan. And when we when we were setting up this uh, conversation with you, I wrote to her and I said, you know, what questions would you have for Dolly Parton's niece? And she wrote back within 10 minutes. And this is one question she sent. In her autobiography, My Life and Other Unfinished Business, Dolly tells the story of her mama who had a near-death experience following a bout of serious spinal meningitis. She also says that her mama had psychic sensitivities, and then she describes a few accounts of her mama's premonitions. So my first question is, are you familiar with these stories? Do you think Dolly has psychic sensitivities as well? And what about you? Wow, Heather, here we go. Oh my gosh. Um, I love that. In our family, we like to say, well, you know, I just got a feeling. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why, but I just got a feeling something my mama was real big on, Avalie. Well, she'd say, you know, I just felt led to tell you that you should, you know, like it, that kind of stuff. That's good. Growing up, that was just a fact in my life. And I didn't know till I got older and out of the house in a way that that wasn't as common <laughs> in other families. <laughs> I feel like if you asked my grandmother, she would tell you she was guided by the Holy Spirit. She has no psychic powers. It is all God and it is all the Holy Spirit. That's what my mama would tell you. Um, Dolly may also tell you the same thing. I'm going to say, don't whoop me, Aunt Granny. Like, But she does know some, she's spooky. Like we joke, my cousins and I will be like, Granny is spooky. Like sometimes she knows stuff or you'll tell her something and she'll go, I already knew. Or she'll message you about something that you haven't told her about. My more skeptical side of things kind of makes a middle ground where I'm more followed like Jungian stuff. And so I was like, maybe they're tapping into that collective unconscious better than others. I have a pretty keen intuition but I'm also a born skeptic at the same time. So I question myself constantly, which is really funny. I'm like, what? My kid is also very intuitive and also skeptical. It's very funny. They're like, I don't know why, but I feel like this and then something will happen. And they'll be like, I don't know though. I don't, it's probably just a coincidence. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. I think we see the breadcrumbs a little clearer maybe than some people, I'm not sure. I think though that everyone could I think everyone has it in them. 
I've experienced a big lesson that the degree to which you deny your intuitive messaging is the degree to which the intuitive messaging will show you oh, yeah. that it exists. And it's not going to be that uh, painless. No. And the universe will absolutely scream at you. I love that you said that because I've told people my whole life, um, for me personally, anything I have ever been a judgmental person about, anything I've ever been ugly about, it happened to me within six months of me being a little snot, um, pretty much. Like my 20s were all karma. And not like I was a horrible person, but like if I got judgy about something, oh, I wouldn't do that. If that was me, I wouldn't do that. And then the universe would be like, here it is. What do you think now? Because I started really respecting that things improved for me. And so like, I'm not sure what the universe is about. I'm not sure what God is or what it all is, but there's something and we're all connected. And I think we need to lead with love always. And that's what Dolly and my mama always did. And that's what they taught me and my cousins to do. Um, and a lot of my other cousins also are very we call each other at weird times. We do the thing where you'll think about one another and you'll call each other at the same time or you'll call at the exact same time and it cancels each other out. I do that with my cousin Rebecca all the time or we'll buy the same stuff at the store that week. She'll go, look, I got a new pillow. And I'm like, I got the same pillow. <laughs> I think ours is more family related. But Heather, to answer your question, I have heard the stories. I saw them in person with my grandmother I've experienced Dolly's spookiness. I have all of the people in my family have a lot of spookiness. It's mainly the girls. I have a Google Doc where I have started keeping track of all the spooky things. Okay. All the times I've thought of someone and they texted or all the weird coincidences or manifestations. Just yesterday, my best friend, and I haven't had a best friend since I was a kid. This woman is so important Aww. to me. She's my favorite person. She came over yesterday to hang out and... We were just chatting and sometimes, you know, when you're talking to somebody, of course, you know this, when you're talking to somebody and they say something that reminds you of a line in a song. Yes. And she said something that made me go, ooh, child, things are uh -huh. getting easier. And her face was like, what? Turns out just that morning when she was at Walgreens, that song was coming through their speaker system. And she was saying how she was talking to a lady behind the counter about like, yeah, I hope things do get easier. And she's a bit, I'm somewhat skeptical and she's even more skeptical. And I was like, I just want to point that out. And I pulled up my, my Google doc and I was like, Michelle mentioned. But you were the messenger. You were the messenger. In the same way that Dolly writes songs, that stuff hits. You were the messenger for your friend. She needed to hear that. Mm, so did I. I feel that stuff all the time. I just don't. I think as human beings, we want to put legs on stuff and anthropomorphize stuff so bad. We're like, no, we need to put a head and arms and legs on it or we can't figure it out. But there's definitely, we're all connected for sure. And I think Dolly does have this really incredible faith, um, this wonderful Christian faith that she, and I believe a bunch of that stuff too, but it's just, we all like our, every generation gets a little different, you know? And I think that's a big part of it. But she also has such respect for other people's beliefs, too. Her meditation is prayer. You know, everybody's meditation is a different thing, right? At the end of the day, we might just be talking to the same thing. <laughs> Probably. You're hearing With Our Hearts by our guest, Jada Starr. Back to our conversation. Here's another question from Heather Reem. We know Dolly was awarded $100 million by Jeff Bezos last year to give to any charity of her choice. I have no doubt that she'll spend it on a worthy cause. But my other question is, what charity would you give that $100 million to? How would you spend it to make the world a better place? Thanks. The um, Trevor Project, anything to show a large amount of support for the trans community 
publicly and loudly is what I would do <laughs> with it. And Dolly's been somewhat, I want to say like amazingly inclusive of people in the LGBTQIA plus community and, but not, and, and not when it was necessarily easy or in vogue or um, at all popular while of course respecting that right now, there's also still a tremendous amount of uh, pain and harm and fear in our community. But um, why do you think Dolly cares about this community at all? I think if we took it, and this would be me talking to her um, more conservative fans as well. If we go by what she says, and she says she believes what Jesus and the Bible said, which were God is love. She believes that God is love, period. Period. There's no God is love unless God is love, except for God is love. But maybe like there's none of that. She truly lives that God is love. There is no, but you have to be this way. If a parent loves you unconditionally, and we're supposed to believe that God is our parent, then that parent loves us unconditionally. And that's what I've pulled from her and her belief in that. She's like, yeah, I'm not here to pass judgment on anyone and none of us are. And all we're supposed to do is love each other, period. And I think that's why it's so important to her on top of people in her own family, cousins and nieces and nephews and not just speaking for myself. I am a queer woman. I am a bisexual person. Like I, but a lot of us are queer in our own ways, even within the family. And we all have always loved each other and accepted each other. And so she loves all of us. She's seen it in front of her. She's seen it with her friends. And honestly, one of the first trans people I ever met was someone that worked for her when I was little. It's just always been kind of a part of our lives and not in a often, these are my gay friends. Just, this is my family. This is, there's, it seems so silly to me that people, and I think it seems silly to her too, that people would go, this is a person, we can be friends. Cool. Who do you sleep with before I can decide if I'm your friend or not? It's very silly. So um, I think that, and my grandmother was like that too. My grandmother was zero judgment whatsoever. And I think that's why Dolly's like that. She just wants people to love each other and seeing people fight over politics, all sides has really torn her up. Seeing her own family members argue about differences. She will get right in the middle of it and say, enough, stop it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like enough, there's enough negativity in the world. That's why I think it's important to her. And she doesn't want to see people get bullied and picked on. I don't speak for her, but that's what I've gathered from everything I've seen. It's funny because I think about how when people are loving to all, like especially to the LGBTQIA plus community, it means that people who are not in that community are also welcome. Like yeah. you go to any pride parade, you know, and it's like, we take everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the best. Yeah. It's this weird labor pain that's happening, you know, but I will tell you as a parent living in Nashville, last year, we took our kid to their first pride parade, which was so fun. And this year they didn't want to go because they were scared. And I was hurt and I'm still hurt. I'm mad. And so we didn't go. And even though I tried to be like, Hey, we got this and we can't let people bully us and we're going to go together and we all support each other. And they were like, mom, I don't really want to deal with it. And so we didn't. And I was so pissed off and I know that it's going to get better. And it's real easy to say that when I'm not in certain communities, you know, but I, I know that I can say that for me and my family, we love and want to take care of everybody and we want everyone to be okay. And, uh, I love that my aunt is making that more apparent. That makes me feel happy. That's why I said what I said on Claim to Fame. That's why I went on it. That sounds so weird, but it's because I felt like, okay, I'm scared and I don't want to do the show because I'm scared that I'm going to look like a dummy the whole time. At the same time, I'll get a chance to tell people that really love her 
that they can safely love her because we've all had our hearts broken by so many celebrities in the past few years, right? Just so disappointing. It's like, oh God, I, if, you get, you know that feeling, oh, I liked them. That sucks. That happened to me this week, right? Like that, <laughs> that happened to me this week. And so I think it's important for people to know that from my perspective, she's someone you can safely love and she's not she's not going to jump scare you and suddenly become a person that hates everyone because there's enough of those out there. Maybe that's part of why it feels so good to love her because I think we know we can. Oh, that's beautiful. That's true. I get emotional about it too. I um, I didn't quite get the uh, type of like mom love that I should have, right? Most, none of us have. Um, I didn't. And if I didn't have Dolly and if I didn't have my grandma and my aunts and I love my mom too, but she just wasn't able. Um, that's why my family is so important to me too, because they made me feel loved and they made me feel taken care of and they make everyone around them feel that way. That means so much to her. Even now I think about how long she's been doing it and I can't wrap my head around it. You know, and even being asked to be on claim to fame last year, I thought it was a joke because I was like, who am I? I'm not anybody <laughs> like she's amazing. What are you guys doing? But getting to meet people out in California and spending a month away from my husband and my teenager, meeting strangers, telling me how much they loved her. It was just. It's unreal, like she's immortal now. And we can all just hope for a tiny bit of that one day. Have you ever written a song about her? I have. I wrote a song for, uh, she's doing a family album project where she talked to a bunch of her brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews. And she's like, if you guys, I want to put something together from all of you that I can have to have, you know, that we can all have for each other. And so I wrote a song called The Orchard for it. How did she like it? She said she loved it. And it was really sweet. Um, I always have that feeling of like, is she just being nice? But you know what? When it comes to songwriting, she, she'll she tell you if you need to fix stuff um, and what she thinks. And she seemed to like it. I think it's always scary to show that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to give her something special and different and to show her that I, I wanted to make an effort to make something new. And I think she liked it. <laughs> Is there a song that you would like us, because we would love to use one of your songs for the show. Is there one song that you are most proud of that you'd like to have on the show? Honestly, the song I'm most proud of is um, Let You Go. Because I always joke that I'm like a vampire. I'm such a jerk friend because I'll listen to you. And sometimes if you say something really poignant and beautiful, I'll be like, just going to put that in my notes app real quick. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to, no, no, keep going. I'm listening. Um, so it's not that bad, but I was helping. A, he was going through the worst breakup ever. And, um, it was so heart-wrenching to watch this person I loved go through this. And um, one day I just was, we were getting ready for work together because we went to work at the same time. And it was one of those like BFF things. Like, I'm going to take a shower, you hang out, I'm going to get ready and we'll go. And while he was in the shower, I ended up just regurgitating all the stuff we'd been talking about and wrote that song. But I had also taken from my own experiences for my own divorce and things. And it's just, it's this little amalgamation of, being in a relationship where you feel like if I left, would you even notice at this point? Do I even know how to breathe without you though? Like, I don't like that kind of, and it's that, and it's because the song's very raw. And also because I love the way it was arranged. Music is my drugs. And so um, growing up, I always had a real strong connection to like seventies Brit rock like or big orchestral things or you know al stewart type music um you're the cat that so this kind of has an al stewart vibe to it 
And um, a guy that played a steel guitar for him played on it too, which makes me really excited. And so um, it's just a song that feels really good. And it's like my first solo album. I always did stuff with friends or with family because I was scared to do it by myself. And this is my first by myself and songs that I just wrote myself. And so that's the one I think I'm, I I like listening to the most. (laughs) There's a difficult question that I have been dreading asking, but if I hung up this zoom call and I didn't ask it, even though it puts you in a terrible position, that's okay. I wouldn't be able to forgive myself. What is your favorite Dolly Parton song? (laughs) My favorite Dolly Parton song is the bargain store. Uh, My mom was living in Massachusetts at the time. We had moved to Massachusetts to be closer to my dad because they were going through some stuff. So we were living in Plymouth and I was going through records and she had a stack of old records of my Aunt Dolly. And I said, oh, I've not listened to these. And she goes, well, you can listen to them. I don't care. So I put this one on that I had never heard. And the first song was The Bargain Store. And I remember from the first chords of it, it had this kind of minor, very, it, I always describe songs by how, like the emotion I feel from it or something. I don't know. It's weird. But when I heard that song, I was just like, I don't know how to describe this feeling, but I like it. My life is likened to a bargain store. And I may have just what you're looking for. If you don't mind the fact that all the merchandise is used But with a little mending it could be as good as new Why you take And so I remember listening to it four or five times in a row to where my mom came in the room and went, what the hell are you doing, you know? And that's when I think I became a fan of my aunt. Because like when I was little and she'd come over to the house and hang out, she wasn't sitting there with a guitar and play, like she was playing Barbies with you, like it wasn't. But it was me listening and being like, oh, I like listening to this. And that particular song, I just like the way that she works melodies. And that really inspired me a lot. Love is all you need to purchase all the merchandise. And I can guarantee you'll be completely satisfied. When you were eliminated from Claim to Fame, Dolly had a video message for your send-off. <laughs> hey, Jada, I am so proud of you. It's been a joy watching you grow up. You know how much I've loved you and how close we've always been, being your aunt and all. So proud of you, girl. Oh. When you reflect on your aunt and the role she plays in your life, <laughs> not that she would be eliminated from anything, <laughs> what would be your message to her? Ah, you're killing me. Um, My message to her would be, I hope that she knows how much of her is in all of us that she loves, how much of her we take in and how much we want to make her proud and make her legacy go for a zillion years. (laughs) I want her to know that she's everything to all of us and that she's always been enough. She's always been more than enough. She's always been good. She's always been funny. She's always been kind and she's never had to prove anything to anybody. And because of that, I think we all get to be stronger people, you know? Um, it's hard sometimes to talk to her when you're around her, right? Cause you don't want to like interrupt her or bother her, but she wants you to, she knows that she's kind of elevated and in this different place too. And so I think on top of all this love that she has and she gives, I think she's always going to be a little lonely too. And um, I just don't ever want her to feel lonely. I think that's what I'd say is please don't ever feel lonely and please know how much everybody loves you. <laughs> I've asked enough questions so that I can sleep tonight. <laughs> but I also want to be we've been on for over an hour and I want to be respectful of your time. Um but is there is there anything I didn't ask you that you kind of wished I did or you kind of expected me to and you can't believe I didn't ask you or anything you thought you were going to bring up but it kind of slipped your mind like open floor anything. 
getting the opportunity to even do stuff like this is so surreal. I didn't start getting to do this stuff till the past like year or two. And it's been a weird experience. Again, late bloomer. And people like you have just made me feel super special. And it's so nice to get to tell people how I feel about her and my whole family and that I'm proud of them. And also to get to share my music with people. And you talked about my music and all that. So I'm really happy. I just want people to hear my music and I want to make a lot more. <laughs> Jada Starr, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. My coat of many colors that my mama made for me Made only from rags, but I wore it so proudly Although we had no money, I was rich as I could be In my coat of many colors, my mama made for me We're going out with my favorite Dolly Parton song, Coat of Many Colors. And you already know, this show is so very lovingly produced by Jessica Severin D. Martinez, Khalil Rahman, Meg Fitzgerald, Meg Dalton, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, with enormous heartfelt thanks to Heather Ream. She's the author of the newly released memoir, Lunch Ladies Bought My Prom Dress. Stay in touch with me at ctpublic.org slash audacious, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Wolf. And you can always send me an email, audacious at ctpublic.org. Thanks for listening. Mama told me why she sewed and how my coat of many colors was worth more than all their clothes. But they didn't understand it and I tried to make them see that one is only poor, only if they choose to be. I know we had no money, but I was rich as I could be In my coat of many colors, my mama made for me Made just for me